how to start? Well, you know, it's just writing. I mean, here's something important to remember about dialogue. Every word matters. No, it doesn't. They're modern. I want to go to this place that I think it needs to go to. The only thing that counts is what you see on the screen. I will write like four or five, six hours a day. And it will be a voice made of ink and rage. Okay, I'm, re- I'm really glad you asked me that question. Welcome to episode 414, where I talked with Cole Schaefer, an all-around writer and the creator of Honey Copy. Cole lives by the phrase, live fast, write often. As such, he's somewhat of an all-around writer with multiple focuses, such as blogs, books, poetry, emails, copy, and spoken word. In this interview, we talk about concrete imagery in Cole's work, thinking in metaphors, why he recommends specializing but doesn't do it, being inspired by Shel Silverstein, using the pen name January Black as a poet, the difference in craft writing and inspired writing, and why you need to let the tigers through the door. In this interview, we also talk about Drew Burney. You can listen to my interview with Drew in episode 390. Before we dig in, as a reminder, I'm giving away my first book, Ink by the Barrel, Secrets from Prolific Writers, based on this podcast right now for free over at brockswinson.com. That's the book and audiobook. The first thing I remember writing uh, is a book about piranhas. <laughs> I was like in the third grade and uh, my teacher, her name was Miss Woodall. And every year she would have her class like write and illustrate like a picture book. And at the time I was like really into tiger sharks and piranhas. So I just uh, like wrote this story about um, tiger sharks like fighting against this army of piranhas and did a bunch of illustrations on it. And uh, I actually at the time didn't know she was going to turn it into like uh, a book, but she just like took it off to uh, like kind of a local like printer or whatever and got it uh, bound and all that. And um, that's like the first thing I remember writing. Um, Now I'm not going to pretend in the third grade, I knew I wanted to be a writer. Um, I've had like a pretty, strange kind of meandering path into becoming a writer but um i can definitely say that like the moment i realized words were powerful was uh when my grandmother passed who in a lot of ways was like a second mother to me i was playing basketball at a bellarmine university in louisville kentucky and um, i got the news and there was this beautiful cathedral uh, up on the hill at that university that kind of overlooked the city. And when I was, uh, you know, in the months that followed as I, as I mourned her passing, I spent a lot of times in that cathedral. And, uh, while I didn't know how to play the piano, there was this piano like up at the top of the cathedral, kind of in a loft area. And I would just kind of like play different chords on there and, um, words would come to mind and I, some of it would be chanting. Sometimes it'd be singing, but, uh, it just really helped me heal through that loss. Uh, and I want to find writing again for another two to three years. Um, but that was kind of like, I think, uh, I look back on that being the moment where, uh, I realized just like how powerful words can be. Um, was there to go back to maybe writing in school, were you ever rewarded for writing in a very concrete manner? It seems like your, your imagery is it's very visual writing. It's a lot of things where I can picture what you're talking about and maybe the description is unusual. So it makes it kind of stick a little more in your mind. Um, where did that kind of come from? Or is it just kind of a natural thing? 
So I definitely wasn't a standout student growing up and I don't really recall getting very good grades in English. So um, I was never really taught that. Um, but I think that sometimes when maybe you're, when, when learning certain subjects doesn't come as quickly to you, uh, you're forced to learn to think in metaphors. Um, so I would say that a lot of my writing is very metaphorical. Um, but I think the reason that is, is because if I can't immediately grasp a subject, uh, I'll actually like try to find or create a metaphor in my mind, uh, more easily remember it or understand it. Um, and I think that that just kind of has worked its way into a lot of the writing that I do. Are you known for one thing? It seems like you're doing a lot of different things. We met through Drew, uh, Drew Bernie, he, who works for, with Mark Manson. He likes that a lot about you. Um, are you trying to be known for a thing? Or are you just kind of just chewing, like following different passions? How do you see your overall like trajectory? Sure. Um, so I think that broadly speaking, writers can embody sort of two, uh, or they can take two different paths. And, and one path is being a specialist, you know, and I think that those are writers like, uh, you know, Ernest Hemingway, who he, he obviously like wrote some short stories, but I feel like that was more his way of kind of make, like at the time he could make, like you could make a lot of money off of writing a short story because you'd get them published in magazines and they'd pay like the equivalent of like $40,000 today. Um, right. But his, his art was like the novel. And I feel like he kind of dedicated his life to writing the perfect novel. Uh, but then you also have other writers like, uh, a Shel Silverstein who he started his career as a cartoonist for Playboy and then he ended up writing some songs like one song for Johnny Cash name a boy named Sue then he uh, ended up finding like children's books so he wrote those and and that's uh, really where a lot of his success came from but he really embodied like various shapes as a writer and I don't think that there's uh, a writer wrong answer. I think that, um, in fact, for a lot of writers, I would recommend specializing. Mm -hmm. I think just for me personally, um, I try to follow the, I try to follow where inspiration is. And, um, I started my career as like a, an advertising writer. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then one day I was like, you know what, I really want to write a poem. And next thing I, knew I had three collections of poetry. And um, then I thought, you know what, like, it'd be really cool to like speak this poetry. And then I got into music. And then, um, you know, somewhere along the the line, I thought, well, what if we could make this like more of a narrative thing? So then I started writing short stories. So um, I think you just have to ask yourself as a writer what you want to be. And if you want to be a writer, that's like a specialist and seen as like a true sort of uh, expert in your craft, I think that you totally should specialize. But for me, I want to get to the end of my life. And I want people to say, um, Cole might have not been like, the best of the best in any particular genre or uh, medium. But if you gave him a pen and had him write an advertisement, or you asked him, asked him to like sit in a, a room and try to write a song, he could hold his own. And, and that's kind of my goal for myself. How do you kind of see the different like 
mindset shifts that takes. I just talked to, if I talk to someone who writes a, a screenplay versus a book is very different, for example. Sure. Um, tell me a little bit about that. And then where did the name January Black come from? So if you're sitting down to write a song, um, a lot of times I've seen that that's more of like a collaborative uh, experience, especially if you have other uh, songwriters on it. Like I uh, uh, recently wrote a song um, called Two Steps Back with a really amazing artist out of New York named Vlad Holiday. And uh, that was a really cool experience because we both got in that room and we wrote that together. So I think that a lot of songwriting is that. Now there's there's some people who write alone, but like I have a... Uh, um, like I'm looking at a Beatles poster right now and like uh, they, they seem to like write a lot of their music collaboratively. Right. Um, but like, if I'm sitting down to write a poem, I kind of have to get, I feel like I can only write poetry when inspiration strikes. Um, it to me is more like an art form. Same with, same with probably songwriting. Now, if I have to sit down and I'm writing like a short story or like an advertisement, um, I think that that's more of uh, a craft. I view it as like craftsmanship where you kind of got to show up every day. You got to sit your ass in the chair uh, and whether you feel super inspired or not, like you got to just sit down and do the work. Um, so I think it's more so a mindset shift when I'm writing like poetry and I'm writing uh, a song or a spoken word piece. I'm really trying to get in the mode of like inspiration and really trying to channel like uh some sort of inspiration there. But when I'm doing something more like uh, a short story or an ad, like I really try to, I view myself more as like a beast of burden a little bit where I'm like putting my head down and I'm just trying to put in a good day's work, whether it's good or bad. Um, and then the name January Black, I'm actually retiring that. Uh, and uh, a big reason I brought Drew on is because, uh, because I'm so all over the place. He's like, a strategic mastermind. And so he's helping me get really, really focused on uh, what I do, or at least maybe not focus, but at least get some method to the madness a little bit. And so I'm actually discontinuing the name January Black and all my writing will be under my own name. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, what my thinking was, uh, I was super and still am um, inspired by David Bowie uh, and like his earlier alias, uh, Ziggy Stardust. Uh, and I just liked how he was able to maybe create um, and maybe he was able to create music that was a little bit more audacious because he didn't feel like he was doing it through his own name. Like, I don't know what that is, but it's like channeling uh, some alternate being or something. But that was kind of the inspiration for that. But after having done it, I'm kind of like, eh, I'll just put everything under my own name. Was there any point I'm kind of, I'm in that position maybe where you were a couple of years ago. So I've mostly worked as a ghostwriter and done things for the people, been in marketing for yeah. years, just really now starting to use my own name. Was there anything else where it like feels like permanent or feel, it feels different? It feels like, okay, I'm really leaning into myself and it's like a different type of confidence. Do you have any thoughts like that when you were kind of deciding some of these things? Sure. So is, is the question just you're, you're starting to put out work under your own name and are you feeling more, is it more like imposter syndrome or is it more so just like trying to find the confidence to do that? I think it just feels like um, everything before felt more experimental and this feels more like you're, I don't know, framing it or something. It's kind of hard to describe, but it feels a little bit more 
ink permanent, I guess you'd say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. Um, so for me, for me personally, something I had to let go of as a writer, because I've been since about 20, since I was 23, I've been writing everything under my own name. I had a brief stint in there where I wrote under January Black, but mostly everything's been under my own name. And something I've had to like let go of is creating work that is consistent and perfect and um, will continue to speak to who I am forever. Um, right. I think you, I think as an artist, you have to be uh, okay with contradicting yourself um, because you're not going to be the same person you are now as you are at uh, 60 and 70 and 80 years old. Right. And um, so I read back on some of my earlier work that I wrote when I was 23 and 24. And um, it's very obvious that my values and the things that I uh, aspire to be were much different than what I am now. Um, And so I would just encourage you to, not place so much emphasis in that like don't allow the permanence of it being under your own name to like cause you to be paralyzed in that like i have to get this perfect i have to like create something that i'm gonna love 10 years from now or 20 years from now because i think that that in a weird way kind of removes the beauty and the rawness of like you just creating something that sort of speaks to who you are right now and how you're like perceiving the world if that makes any sense yeah, definitely. There's a quote, I think uh, maybe Benjamin Hardy said it, it's like um, better prolific than perfect. Do you, mm-hmm. It seems like some, from some of the work that I've read, do you kind of agree with that idea? And what, is a, what does a week look like for you? Like what does a writing week look like for you? Yeah, I would say that I, I agree with that, with that quote. Um, but I think you have to be careful, right? Because I, you know, you get on social media sites like LinkedIn and Instagram and Twitter. And it's obvious that like everyone's hearing that advice and they're just shipping shit every <laughs> single day. And uh, I just think it's also important to, to note that like, if you write, you know, uh, 10,000 tweets that are all shit, you know, throughout your lifetime, you just have 10,000 shitty tweets, you know? And so I'm a little bit slower to, maybe give that advice to its aspiring writers. But um, I do think that there is a correlate, there is a direct correlation between um, prolificness and how, how many quote unquote hits you're able to produce. I mean, if there, there's a reason like Mozart and, and Beethoven aren't just like the greatest uh, composers of all time, but they've also put out the most work. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think there is something to be said for that. I would just encourage people to maybe, have a little bit uh, more of a bullshit detector where they can read their work and be like, okay, like I really want to put something out today, but this doesn't really meet spec, you know, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Um, And then uh, your second question was, what is a, what is like a week look like for me? So uh, Monday might look like doing all advertising work. So um, writing, writing advertising for two or three different clients uh, Tuesday is normally the day that I do meetings, podcasts. Um, and I try to like stack all of that stuff in one day. So it's kind of like my management day. Um, and I don't necessarily love that day, but I found that as like being a writer, like 
it's really good to have multiple days that can go uninterrupted where you can kind of pour yourself into your work. Mm-hmm. And so that's why I do all that on Tuesday. Uh, Wednesday might look like writing uh, a newsletter for um, Sticky Notes, which is um, my my email list. And that might be a 1,500 to 2,000 word uh, piece or story on whatever comes to mind that day. And then you know, Thursday and Friday might be writing poetry. Um, it could be like working with someone on writing a song. Um, it really can vary. And, and, uh, I never know what I'm going to do necessarily like on that particular day. So like it might be Thursday and from like nine to 12, I might be working on a piece of advertising. And then from like 12 to five, I might be working on a short story. So it's, it's really just kind of what I'm feeling that day, unless there's like a deadline that kind of uh, kicks me in the ass. So would you, um, if you were kind of starting over today, would you encourage other riders to maybe pursue something similar where you're kind of maybe making your money through marketing and some courses and then writing, you know, more like personal stories in your own time and finding your own path that way? Or might you say, get a job doing something completely different. So you have more free time to write. How do you think about those two like career paths? That's so that's that's a that's a really tough question. Um, so when I when I first started out as a writer, I got a desk job where I was writing um, a little bit of advertising, but mostly like working for this like small town kind of marketing digital marketing studio. Uh, and I absolutely hated it, so I quit, walked out, uh, and I started working construction to kind of pay the bills while I was becoming a writer. Um, and that was a really beautiful two years for me because like, um, during the day I would just like work with my hands and, and I, uh, wasn't taking up mental bandwidth writing stuff I didn't want to write. And then at night I was able to like actually focus on the stuff I wanted to write. So I, I really like loved those two years. It just wasn't necessarily sustainable for me long-term. So what I would tell people is, um, get your finances in order. Um, as you're becoming a writer, like I don't, I, I, I don't abide by like, I'm not part of the school of thought where it's like, you have to live um, an impoverished life to be a writer. I think that you can become an accountant, you know, and then write at night. So my advice would just be make enough money to live comfortably because I, because for me personally, I found that I write my best when I'm not worrying about finances. Uh, I'm not worrying about like paying the mortgage. Uh, I'm just being able to write because writing for me comes from like a place of, of joy and play and, and creativity. So I would just say, find a gig that pays the bills. If that's like a journalist or being a copywriter, like so be it. Mm-hmm. But if you have a skill set in another area, um, like, I don't know, investing or accounting or I don't, I don't, I don't know what people do, but yeah, I would, I would just try to make enough money to like get by and then you can write in your spare time. For the stuff you're publishing now, like your your um, sticky notes, do you view those at all as kind of like using them in multiple ways? Like this can be an email, but it's also going to be a blog. You could also submit it somewhere. How do you think about some of those things that kind of get the most, I guess, value from it? So, I mean, everything I write, my earlier I said, like, doesn't meet spec. My My sort of bar of quality is like, could I potentially like put this in a book one day? Mm. Uh, so like all of my 
poetry books that I've written, those weren't like just sat down. Like I didn't just sit down and write them in like a two week period. It was uh, a full year of like writing several poems every single day, putting them out on social media, uh, like Instagram, Twitter, various places. And then at the end of it, kind of proofreading and, and then, then kind of throwing on the editor hat and saying like, this poem sucks. This one's really good. Um, and so that's how I view a lot of the work I do is like, if I'm writing like for my newsletter, for example, one day I would love to have like a, a big coffee table book of like my top 100 newsletters of all time. Mm -hmm. um, and I know not, I know not every single newsletter I write is going to be a banger, so to speak, but I'm really trying to write every newsletter. Like it could one day end up in that book. Um, now I probably don't think enough about like repurposing my content uh, that's a big reason that like I've hired Drew because he's, he's brilliant at that and like many other things. Um, but I'd say like someone like Ryan holiday has done a really, really good job. Like he'll write a blog post and then it'll be like 10 tweets and it'll be like three Instagram graphics and, you know, a couple of LinkedIn posts. And, uh, that to me seems like really daunting. And at times it kind of feels like you're being more of a marketer versus a writer, not yeah. to like, frown upon anyone like that but i'm i'm more uh interested in like the actual craft and i try to market when i can but i found that it kind of exhausts me <laughs> you know like <laughs> worrying about that too much is there any um specific thing drew has kind of taught you already that might apply to a lot of writers trying to follow a path like yours yeah i mean i would say i would say the biggest i mean drew teaches me things you know, on a weekly basis. But I would say that like the biggest thing I've learned from Drew is he's a lot more patient uh, than I am. I think that because I've been solo for so long, I've just been, uh, you know, shooting from the hip and, and putting out as much work as I can. And, and a lot of times, like, I feel like I operate from a place of uh, scarcity, which I don't think super healthy for a writer where I'm like, I have to get my pieces out today, you know, and sometimes I'll even beat myself up if I'm not um, meeting like my own idea of what production should be. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that that kind of carries over in into a lot of the decisions I make um, from a business standpoint um, with how I market my work and all that. And Drew has been really helpful in like being able to step in. Uh, and I feel like he almost... Like I'm like, I use the beast of burden sort of metaphor earlier, but that's kind of how I feel where I'm just like head down. I just need to put like one, one, one foot in front of the other. And just as long as I keep like stomping, I'm going to get where I want to go. I feel like Drew sort of has like, if I'm the beast of burden, he's sort of like the uh, hawk in the sky that can kind of see the whole terrain and he can kind of be like, all right, like let's, let's work in this direction. And so a lot of times I feel like he sees what we could be before I even can comprehend it. Um, and so I think the biggest thing he's taught me is just like patience, being able to like really, really zoom out and, you know, calm, calm down, honestly, and uh, trust in the process. And uh, that's, that's been, I'd say the biggest thing he's helped me with just like slowing down, being patient and um, thinking maybe more about strategy versus like, you know, hands in the dirt tactics. Hmm. 
So you mentioned um, Ron Holiday. I was looking through your website. I did see like the the coin, which kind of reminds me of some of Holiday's um, things he does as well. What does that phrase mean to you? Let the tigers through the door. Yeah. So um, that phrase means facing your fears, right? Um, it's kind of like all of us have, I think all of us sort of exist in uh, if our lives are like a bedroom, the door is closed. And on the other side of the door is stuff that like, we don't want to face fears, tough conversations. Um, the thing we know we need to do for work, but, but don't want to do like for me lately, one of those has been like finding a literary agent to take my um, three poetry books and, and hopefully get them into a more traditional publishing uh, direction. Like I haven't wanted to put them out there because I'm scared or like I haven't wanted rejection. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, in the past couple of days, I just was like, all right, that's the tiger that's on the other side of the door. That's like clawing at the wall. He's growling. I'm scared to death to open the door, but like, I need to open the door and like start emailing the shit out of different literary agents and just getting rejected a hundred times before I find my person. Right. Um, so that's what that phrase means to me is it's, it's just like a constant reminder to like, um, as soon as you think like you're comfortable uh, and you're you're doing well and you're you're successful and happy and all that, chances are that there's probably something out there that you're not facing, and it's just a constant reminder to like open the door, face your fear, and yeah, life will hopefully be good because of it or better because of it. Thanks so much for tuning into the show. Before you take off, I want to give you a free gift. I'm giving you my first book, Ink by the Barrel, for free. That's the digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com. Inside this book, you'll learn how to annihilate writer's block by embracing Elizabeth Gilbert's playful trickster mentality. You can learn to weaponize your anxiety with Kevin Kelly's different is better approach. And learn how to defend your time with Ryan Holiday's calendar anorexia mindset. There's just a few other ideas in the book, Ink by the Barrel. It's also based on over 400 interviews I've done right here on Creative Principles. So go steal that book right now, Ink by the Barrel, to learn how to be a prolific writer. You can get your copy that's digital download and audiobook at brockswinson.com, B-R-O-C-K-S-W-I-N-S-O-N.com. And if it's your first time here, thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Make sure to hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode.